air can tell you about the building. And it can tell you things about the building that you might not be able to see otherwise. One way to kind of think about that that I use a lot is if you go to a doctor after they've kind of taken your blood pressure and talked to you in the office, if your experience is anything like mine, you always get sent out for a blood test because blood flows through all of your body and can give you a lot of information about your body. And if you think about it, air flows through a building the way blood flows through a body. You are listening to the Manage Mold Podcast. This podcast was made for families on a health journey that need the real, no-holds-barred answers on how to create and ensure a healthy home. This show should be your launching pad to give you the information, guidance, and inspiration and clarity you need on your journey back to a healthy home. My name is Dean Malstead. You can find and follow me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Welcome to Manage Mold. Welcome everybody to episode number five. This is a podcast that is going to be a lot of fun for me because we are going to interview and talk with Matt Coghill of Detection Tech in Boulder, Colorado. I got to meet Matt in June of 2017 via the internet, via email and then phone calls. And Matt and I talked for the better part of 10 months Uh, as I learned what his company does in the air quality industry and as I learned more about the technology that they had developed and were building and putting out to people like me and others who need to know what is in the air. So here we are, episode number five of the Manage Mold podcast, and we have Matt Coghill with us. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dean. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you here. You are actually the inaugural interview for the podcast, and there's a reason for that. We had I, I had a top two that I wanted to interview. You are one, and then my chief mentor who actually got my family and me through a bunch of dark days of health issues, Michael Pinto, he will be on also in the podcast. He'll be the second interview that we'll go through. So this is totally cool to me because you are a life changer, whether you always realize that or not, but you're a life changer in my family, in my business, and countless families that we have now served over the last 18 months using equipment that your company has designed. Uh, we have done some amazing things that would have taken much longer to do before, and we would have had a bunch of data missing that we now have. So we're super excited about that. And I wanted you to share today what some of the top reasons why you do what you do and what homeowners should know about where we are as far as home investigations for mold and water intrusion and and how you see all of this working. Yeah, well, um, I should start by saying thanks again for having me on. I am honored to be uh, uh, one of your first interviews. Um, and yeah, maybe just a little bit of background. Um, so... I am the president of a company called Detection Tech, and we build a a piece of air quality testing uh, uh, technology called the Instascope, Instant Microscope. Um, And that's the tool that you and I have been um, working together uh, to implement in your business and and, and, uh, help you uh, utilize with your customer base for the last, what's it been? 18 months? 18 months. March of 2018. Uh, we should we should celebrate, get a cake or something. Um, 
So I, uh, I work with a team here of scientists and engineers and uh, uh, sort of craftsmen manufacturers out of Boulder, Colorado uh, to produce this instrumentation. And um, as a function of that, uh, we are also, you know, pretty heavily involved in the indoor environmental quality, air quality world. Um, so uh, my primary uh, role is actually to interface with service providers and professionals like you. Um, and I do, on occasion, get the opportunity to deal directly with uh, in customers who are dealing with, you know, everything from, you know, just a, a, a curiosity about the environmental quality of the home business that they live in all the way through to pretty significant, you know, health impacting, life impacting, uh, negative experiences of, you know, contamination. They, they don't really know. Um, but, uh, we get, we, every once in a while, uh, uh, I get the direct call from the end customer, but mostly my job is to coach and support and, uh, facilitate uh, guys like you. So that's, that's who I am. Uh, and what we do um, at Detection Tech. So that wasn't your question. No, but, but you, but you know what? That, that was, that was good ground to cover. And one of the things that was amazing to me when, well, the way this started for me actually goes back to Michael Pinto. And we were at the Restoration Industry Convention in California. And when I first arrived, I'm walking through the corridors by the ballrooms in the hotel. And I see Michael and we, we greet each other and, and said hi. And very quickly, he responds to me after we did our greeting because I had, had posed a question to him in 2014 when I was studying under him. I was looking for, for a thing. I'm holding up my cell phone um, for the video part of this. And I was looking for a thing I could pull out of my pocket or out of my tool bag that I could measure the air and find the mold. And he says, well, Dean, it doesn't really exist. I've heard things about it. I think within 10 years, maybe we'll have something. And at this uh, convention in 2016, uh, no, actually it was 17. It was the spring of 17. He said, Dean, the thing you asked for, he said, I heard something about it. Go find it. And so I actually ended up connecting with one of your early users in oh. Hawaii. And it was oh, the gentleman yeah. in Hawaii who connected yeah. back to you. Yeah. And uh, when we fast forward, the, the really cool thing is I had been doing investigations, been doing them more forensically, which we still do, just that the tools we use now from you uh, really speed up that process. And the thing that always bothered me up until the point that I met you was this. Uh, it made no sense to me, having grown up on the farm, it made no sense to me that we would put a tripod in the middle of a room or in the middle of a level of a home. We would mount a little hose on it and put a little aerosol cassette. Uh, no, no disrespect to the Zephon people because for years they've done good things for people. But we put the little air cassette there and then we run that sample for 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes, depending on which pump you have and how you're going to calibrate. And we made that we made the call that that was representative of the, the air in the house, number one, or the building, and that that would tell us where a problem might be. And having done water restoration work for 21 years, uh, it made no sense to me because the water is always at the edges and it's usually trapped underneath your feet if it is in the middle of the room. And so the really cool thing, and I think something that you could speak to today is um, 
why do we care about the air? And yeah. then what's your view of that problem? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good question. It's, it's a good prompt. I think, you know, just to kind of speak very quickly to your experience of using, you know, you said aerosol, but I would just say kind of traditional air sampling technology. Um, uh, you know, the way technology works is um, we do the best we can with what we have until we figure out something better. You know, whether that's the horse to the car to the airplane, or I think the more relevant analogy um, to what we're doing with air quality information is actually, um, if you think about photography, you know, for years and years and years, it was film photography. And what you really described is the process. Uh, it's very analogous to film photography. You know, you would go, you would take a static picture. You couldn't see what was on that picture. You had to send it off to get developed. You had to then pay to get your picture back from the developer. Um, as a consequence of that, you only took so many pictures, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and by the time you got that picture back of your kid's birthday party, right, uh, that birthday party was over. So there's no going back and taking a better, better picture, right? That's so exactly right. There's a lot of limitation there to film photography. And, and my company with Instascope, what we've basically developed is a digital camera um, for looking at air. Uh, so, you know, without going too far down into that, because I can get way too excited talking about the work that we do, I, I do want to answer your question about, you know, uh, it's very, very important to us since we build this technology to to be able to speak to why do you even care about information about the air? Why, why do you care about the air? And I, I sort of have a, a two point answer to that. And it's, um, it's really simple. The first thing is if the air in your house is weird, it can tell you whether or not your building is broken. Right. Um, and that's really, really important. Uh, the air can tell you about the building. Um, and it can tell you things about the building that you might not be able to see otherwise. Um, one way to kind of think about that that I use a lot is uh, if you go to a doctor, um, after they've kind of, you know, taken your blood pressure and uh, talked to you in, in the office, if, if your experience is anything like mine, you always get sent out for a blood test. Yeah. Uh, and you get sent out for a blood test because blood flows through all of your body and can give you a lot of information about your body. Um, and if you think about it, air flows through a building the way blood flows through a body. And so if you can look at the air, it can tell you stuff about the building. Um, so one of the reasons you care about the air is just that um, it can tell you whether or not your building is broken. But um, a second reason, and maybe even a, a more significant reason, is uh, that if you're in a house or a commercial building or whatever, breathing uh, air in all day that's weird. And by weird, I mean just contaminated uh, or it, it has a, a high concentration or a kind of a uh, unusual composition of biology that you wouldn't find in the majority of homes. Uh, uh, and you're, you're in that soup all day, every day. That can really mess with your immune system. Um, and that, you know, uh, I, use, I, I use that language very, very intentionally, right? Because uh, when you start talking about uh, mold exposure or uh, bioaerosol exposure, bacteria, mold, pollen, 
non-specific biology, uh, and that intersection with health, you can really get into a rabbit hole of very, very complicated and, and honestly not completely uh, understood science and medicine. Um, but the one thing that everybody agrees on is that if you breathe in a lot of airborne bugs, it can really tick off your immune system. And your immune system is tied to a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so we, we know that. And, and uh, because of that, you really want to know what's in the air that you breathe. Um, so then let me tie all this together into one thing. And uh, hopefully this will satisfy your question. Um, you have to ask yourself then, if the EPA says we spend 92% of our time living indoors and the air that we breathe is, you know, affecting our immune system and telling us stuff about the building, then why is it that the overwhelming majority of the population has no access to this information? Correct. Um, uh, and I think the the reason why, if actually, I don't think I, I've bet my career and our business is really charging forward on the belief that um, the reason why is because the technology just hasn't been there for us to get that information in a way that is accessible and cost effective. Yeah. And can, can I add one thing to that with the clients that we have, whether it's in a residential setting, so in somebody's home or if it's in a commercial setting, even the, the amazing thing for us for, for as helpful and cutting edge as the technology that you present to our industry is the gut reaction and the gut feel of my clients and their testimony or their story about the buildings that they either work in, school in, or home in, they know that something's wrong or their body tells them something is wrong. And so when you get inspectors, you get remediators, and you get folks who are so fixated on what they can see visually come in and they run traditional sampling and that might be lift tape. It might be, you know, air, air sampling with, with various types of uh, media that where they can collect those samples from or bulk sampling. Uh, and they, they get reports back and I see this continually and it says, well, actually the air in your home is okay. And the biology in your home is normal and there is nothing visual that we can see going on. And so there's this disconnect that starts taking place. And then the stories between people where that disconnect has taken place continues then and, and it builds and it builds. And then there's this mistrust that takes place because their gut and their, their symptoms, if they are getting sick from indoor air, is telling them that that way of doing things, inspecting things and sampling things can't be correct. Well, I, you know, I, I think I've been on the phone with not as many as you, but a fair number of people who find themselves in that situation. Right. And what I find incredibly tragic is when, um, Mrs. Jones, who has a, you know, degree in secondary education and a whole other life starts talking to me about impaction sampling and DNA qPCR tests and ERMI and you know bioairs I'm like you know you shouldn't have to know these words when some right. right when just a normal person starts talking to me about um, that level of 
forensic science and uh, analytical methods and laboratory certifications. And I'm sitting here going, you know, this language tells me that you are so desperate to find an answer that you have gone through this incredible learning curve of uh, really arcane um, and and sort of conflicting information. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to try to find a way through. And, and that, that to me speaks to a failure of the service industry who exist to try to help people through this process. Um, because ultimately, you know, I can just say from another, you know, experience of mine, I take my car to a mechanic because I really don't want to know how to change my alternator. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, me too. Same thing. You know, like I could probably work it out, but I would rather spend that time and that mental energy not figuring out that thing. Um, so anyway, I, I can go off on that on a, on a long tangent, but I think the goal for guys like you and the goal for guys like me is to take all of that complexity and make it accessible so that we can get to some very, very basic things. Um, we know why we care, uh, but now that we care, what I'm really going for, what, I, what I'm really after uh, is I've got, an, I've got suspicion, right? I can really get going on this. Suspicion um, that something's wrong. What you just described is suspicion, right? And I, I kind of thought about this. What is suspicion, right? And I'll give you an analogy. Um, so the other day, I live in an in a old uh, 1890s house, and I opened up a drawer, and there were these little pellets in the drawer, right? We see, them, had, we see them where we are too. <laughs> I had suspicion, right? <laughs> the suspicion, actually, it wasn't pellets. It was, um, it was a newspaper had been chewed up into, or not chewed up, but there were just little bits of newspaper everywhere. So I had suspicion, right? And if you really think about what is suspicion, suspicion is having a little bit of the information, but not all of the information, right? Yeah. And so what do you do to resolve suspicion? You provide information. Yes. Right. So at the end of the day, what you're really describing is, is a, a person. And these people are all over the world who have suspicion that there's something going on in their house that's tied to their, their health, their quality of life, their experience. And now what they're looking for is information. Right. And on the other side of information, and, and not just not information, just like theoretical, philosophical, you know, information. They're looking for actionable information, right? Yes. And on the other side of that, they can find resolution, peace of mind. And that's 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 the that's sort of the 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 driver for what we do as a company. I know it's the driver for what you do. Is you've got You've got people who have some issue, they have some, some piece of the puzzle, but they need to fill the rest of that puzzle out so that they can just do something about it. Because I'm going to assume that 
they don't get up in the morning excited to characterize bioaerosol physics in their home. They just want to have a good quality of life, you know, enjoy family and, and community. And they really didn't ever want to learn all this stuff. I know. And if you can help them without them having to know all this stuff, that's great. So here's the interesting thing in, in the inspection and the remediation industry that seems to have taken place. And I'm going to, I'm going to paint with a broad brush. So there are some excellent quality inspectors. There are some excellent quality remediators out there. I'm going to say from my vantage point, I think they are few and they are too few. There should be more that are more on the cutting edge, but here's my point. There are too many in our industries who are here to take care of clients who have issues, either a water damage emergency or mold contamination. And they are not asking the very simple question, why? They're content with knowing how, and, and some of them are barely good at that part. They are content with knowing what, and most are barely can most most are completely content with knowing what they know about what, and I think both of those should improve. But very few people are asking why, why why is there weird stuff in our air, as a remediator or as an inspector to understand how to better inspect or how to better remediate. Well, and so can, can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's 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 a point that's well made, and the truth of the matter is. Uh, those professionals who I think by and large are service providers and caretakers by nature, um, you know, they, uh, they get a pretty limited education and then we throw them out, you know, they get six weeks of boot camp, uh, which isn't really six weeks. It's more like two to four days. Yeah, uh, that's true. And then we say, go and do some really hard, generally thankless work best of luck. Um, uh, and there are some standards out there, um, some industry guidelines, uh, that, that really govern the education and, um, uh, practice of these guys. And one of them is called the IICRC. Uh, and it's interesting. You said, why do we care? Why are not, why do we care, but why are we seeing these things in the air? Uh, well, all of these guys who do this work, the answer is actually in that standard, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's really simple. We know it in the world of science. Um, if you've got weird stuff in your air, if you've got a bunch of bugs that are either really high in concentration or really different in composition, uh, it's really because of one of two things. Your house is either dirty or it's wet. Um, and not dirty in a way that you're going to see um, necessarily. Because uh, you would clean your house, you could see it, but microbiologically dirty or, or wet, not like, hey, there's water coming through my roof. I mean, I've seen that with people, uh, but wet in a way that you can't see, can't identify. Um, and I'll give you, if you don't mind, I'll give you a, a kind of an analogy that's really helpful to me. Yep. So imagine, um, you know, those white dandelions that you blow on and the seeds go everywhere, right? So imagine there's a field of those outside of your house. And you leave all the doors and windows open and it's a windy day and all those blow into your house. You close up all the doors and windows and then you never vacuum. What have you got? You got a house full of dandelion seeds. You're breathing them. You're stepping in them. Every time you walk around, they shift around and just, you know, covered in dandelion seeds. So 
That's one version. Um, the IICRC would call that a, a condition two settled spores, right? You, Correct. You're microbiologically dirty. You've got a ton of you know, dandelion fluff in your house. That's one version. But the, there's another version that happens with biology. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous with dandelions, but imagine that you had dandelions, actual dandelions growing out of your wooden kitchen floor, right? Um, if you have a field of dandelions growing out of your floor, um, first off, cool. Secondly, uh, <laughs> that's weird. Thirdly, um, in order for that to happen, you'd have to have a water source for them to grow. Um, and last but not least, experientially, you're going to be covered in dandelion seeds all the time, right? So I say all that to say that that's really two versions of how uh, you end up with a lot of stuff in your air. Either it's dirty, stuff has come into your house one way or the other, and it's not leaving your house and it's building up. And every time you walk around, it pops up and you're blowing it uh, around and you're breathing it and you're exposed to it. Or something's growing. And if it's growing, um, it, it's because there's water there somewhere. Um, the yeah, good and, is, and, and this, is, this is where I remind people yeah, water, water is liquid and vapor. So if it's high humidity, um, that, that is fuel. And, and I call the substrate where things can grow, that's the food source and the water is the fuel. And so what we're talking about here and what you're talking about, you gave us a visual representation of that. But really what we're talking about is you can't see any of this taking place. All of this is too small for us to see. That's right. Yeah. And I, I, it's too small for you to see, uh, but it's not too small to uh, uh, not affect you. Right. Correct. Uh, and that's, that's a really important thing. You know, I think, um, one of the things when I teach inspectors uh, that I kind of lead off with is a very basic concept. Uh, and I always get a pretty good eye roll out of it when I present it. I say, you know, here's the thing, guys. Air is invisible and air moves. And they all say, wow, this guy's going to teach us for a day and a half. Uh, but then I, I, draw, I come back around to this idea that, you know, you were speaking to how an inspector with traditional sampling works. They'll come into your house, they'll identify some sort of physical damage. Hey, I see a sign of water damage in your kitchen, or I see some warping of the floor or whatever. And then they'll take an air sample in that room. Well, the thing is, you can see the floor, but air is invisible, A. And B, um, what makes you think that the air and the dandelion seeds that are coming off of whatever it is you can see there are just staying in that room? Um, because air moves, uh, and air moves in really, really complicated ways, right? It moves because of, uh, you know, transmission of heat, right? We know that hot air rises. That's how hot air balloons work and all kinds of stuff. Um, and when heat rises, it takes those bugs, those particles with it in really complicated ways. We know that you have a HVAC system, right? And that's moving air around your house. Um, you know, you've got all kinds of different dynamics that take this invisible thing and put it other places. And I'll just put a really fine point on this. So I can't tell you how many times using our tool, our digital camera, uh, I go in to, you know, let's call it a 10-room house. 
and you've got damage on the first floor in the kitchen, but the air in that kitchen doesn't have a lot of contamination in it. But you go up to the second floor on the other side of the house, and it's just off the charts, full of contamination and airborne uh, biology. And you think about it, you say, well, I guess if I think about how stuff moves, it doesn't make sense that just because it came from somewhere means it's going to stay there. Another word that we use with that is source and sink, right? The faucet, the water comes out of the faucet, but it collects wherever it's going to collect, right? Unfortunately, with traditional technology, with kind of that film camera, we've really struggled to uh, be able to to map the air in a house because uh, it just costs too much. It takes too much time. It's, it's complicated. Um, and you have to be um, pretty good at using a film camera to get a good picture. And so that means that that guy's expensive. Um, so the consequence of that is we've just used this technology in a pretty blunt way where we've come to believe that airs we know where the bad air is air's not invisible right and that it didn't move <laughs> and i think even though you would never talk to an intelligent uh inspector they they would say of course air is invisible and of course air moves but then you look at how they behave and you say uh well, if you really think that's true, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an, an example that we think about and we use in our business, especially using the Instascope, is this. When I compare it to how traditional sampling would typically take place, if I take the average square room, and if I know that water issues and mold damage will typically show itself at the perimeter of a room, possibly underneath your feet between floor layers, but typically we're going to find mold issues in the wall cavities, that, that's a great place to find them. And if you took a, an air sample at each of four corners, an air sample in the middle of each of four walls, and then one in the middle of the room, you basically have 10 samples that you need to take per room. And if you have a 12-room house, you need to take 120 air samples and send those into a lab. That's and kind I, of how we view it. Yeah, and the lab doesn't do like a buy one, get one. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Because they're in business and they have to, you know, in, in their defense, it is a very tedious human process yep. to do this. And so you have to pay for that. Um, and suddenly, I think where you end up is a scenario where, um, you know, the end customer, Mrs. Jones, has a real problem. They have suspicion. Mm-hmm. The inspector comes in and says, I can give you some information. Uh, but it's a very, very, very small piece of information um, that you can afford. Now, if you want all the information, you don't want to know how much that's going to cost, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, you know, with, with Instascope, what we're trying to do is make actionable information easy to generate and affordable uh, for the customer uh, to access so that I, I really believe not to get all preachy here, but I believe that uh, knowing what's in the air that you breathe should be a basic home owner consumer right and product that people can get. It, it shouldn't be um, 
the privilege of the rich or the sick. You know, it should be something that you just, yeah, I know that. Like I get my, uh, shoot, I, my wife the other day got a nitrogen test to see why our tomatoes weren't growing. <laughs> and that wasn't a big deal. It wasn't right. a ton of money. You didn't have to be a scientist. You didn't have to have like tomato disease to find that information out. So why is it that something that's so much more critical, the air that I breathe and my kids breathe and uh, that affects my health and, and, and immune system and all this stuff, why is it I can find out what's in the tomato soil <laughs> for less money and more readily than I can find out what's in the air that I breathe with any kind of certainty whatsoever. You know, it just, it, I, I, I'm looking forward to the day when this is not some sort of weird science geeky thing. And it's just information that, yeah, of course I know what's, I get that done once a year. It's not a ton of money, just something that's good for my family to know. Yeah. So, we're going to wrap up here and, and I think it's important for everyone to know that we really skimmed the surface. Obviously we threw out between Matt and I talking here today, we threw out uh, enough nuggets of information seeds, so to speak, that all of you listening are going to want to water because we left so much information out and you have to be curious by now. Um, we will come back, I am sure, in the future because Matt has got a bunch more to share. And to put it into perspective, when Matt comes and does a training, when you buy some of his equipment, uh, it has been a two-day training process. And so for us to pretend in a half an hour that we're going to cover anything uh, in depth, not to mention when you go through mold remediation training and you go through inspection training, uh, there are days and days, and that's why we're, we're planning to do a number of podcasts. We're definitely going to have Matt back, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into some of these things in the future. But I wanted everyone to be able to meet him in the beginning because it is so important for everyone to understand that the, that the way that things have been done is in the midst of being changed. The wooden wagon wheel is coming to an end. The steam tractor is coming to an end. Uh, the gasoline engine and the rubber tire are here as far as when it comes to what Matt is talking about, the, the common availability and then the ability within any building, whether it be residential or commercial, to not just put a sample cassette in a room, but for us to wheel our equipment through each and every room, dynamically scanning Every room and watching on a display what is in the air in real time has absolutely revolutionized the way we do inspections and has absolutely changed the lives of people that we work with for the better. And it pinpoints where the areas of, our, of concern are. And now we can give a plan and guidance and they can become the hero of their story. So Matt, what are some last words you'd like to share? Well, that's, that's hard to follow. I think, you know, what, what I can say for our team here is that our goal is to take really some of the top science and engineering minds in the country, because here in Boulder, we've, we've, got, we've got some really, really incredible resources between, you know, we work with the University of Colorado, with uh, NOAA, with NPAR, with Yale, Berkeley. 
you know, you you name it, uh, and and then all the indoor environmental quality groups. We we really want to take the sort of the leading edge of technology, um, and make that something that provides actionable information that's simple, right? Our goal is to take all of that super high tech, and then make it something that I can put in hands like yours that you can deliver to everyday people mm-hmm. because we don't want this technology to just stay in the world of scientists and researchers. We want it to do what you said, which is uh, help people and put information in their hands that help them to take care of uh, you know, their everyday exposure, their, you know, uh, their, uh, the quality of life and quality of environment that they live and work in. And so if, if we can succeed at doing that and serve guys like you, serve contractors and uh, service providers, and, and ultimately uh, deliver information to, to everyday folks, then that's, that's really what we're trying to do. And I think, that's, I think we're, we're on, a, on a good path working with guys like you to do it. Yeah, you know, and I will, I'll make a prediction. Uh, um, I'll be a little prophetic here. And I think in our lifetime, the stuff that you are doing and the things that the users are feeding back to you, I think in our lifetime, yours and mine, I'm 48, uh, I think we're going to have a device sometime down the road that will be on a store shelf that people will take home uh, and detect the air in their house and, and know more about what's going on. And I know you know all the hurdles to that. But I think there are things that haven't been designed, developed, or made yet that will be made that will put your technology into the hands of everybody that way. So I'm I'm super excited. I'm so glad that you were here today uh, and that we got to talk through these things. Yeah, me as well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. And, and I'd love to come back. You just tell me when. We'll be back. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Uh, This is the fifth episode of the Manage Mold podcast. I want you guys to go and visit our newly designed and readily available website, which is managemold.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Manage Mold podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on the podcast? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do three simple things. Leave a rating and review telling me what you think of the podcast. In that review, ask anything you want related to your home's health. And if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then listen in to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. This is Dean Malstead. Join us next time on Manage Mold.